This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. We love our sound team. You are very awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I've been singing all day. Jesus, I love you. Oh, how I love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Hallelujah. Our affection. Our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Hallelujah. You know, it's good just to let worship be a part of your life. If I actually um, have been playing this weekend. I've been playing the worship set from Friday night. It was just so lovely. And uh, you, can, you can go on YouTube and, and do that anytime. Uh, I, just, I, I just love what God's doing in the house, but, you know, to keep your minds focused on Him, keep your mind set on Him is so wonderful. And we did have a lot of fun Friday. It was unexpectedly glorious. And the joy of the Lord was just so much fun. I mean, I was looking afterwards on live stream, and there, there were people in between the pews on the floor, not able to get up, and it was it was good fun. Hallelujah. And uh, so, yeah, and then we had a fire tunnel, which got really fun. Hallelujah. So, and then on the way home, we jumped on the freeway. And there was a terrible, terrible accident, apparently. Um, and fire engines and ambulance and police. Well, my daughter, who was a, a, about half an hour uh, behind us, she was stuck on the freeway for two and a half hours. Um, just that it was, they closed off the exit because there was a terrible, terrible accident. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but you can see the tree still burnt out. As we finally went past, you could see the, tr- the car in the tree, a burnt out wreck. And it was just gridlock and, and emergency vehicles were trying to get through and they couldn't get through. And I had uh, Tom and, and we're giving Chris, Pastor Chris, a, a lift home too, and he actually jumped out of the car and helped cars move so that the, the emergency vehicles could get through. And and uh, but you know we were still so happy, we were so happy, oh, just from the joy of the Lord. And and uh, you know it, it was easy though after there was um, you know the the path was made for the emergency vehicles to get through. Um, 
cars would jump in there and try and then block it up again. And, you know, it's very tempting to go, ah, what are they thinking? And instead, because we sort of realize we are embarking on our negativity and criticism fast, we're like, maybe their wife's in labor. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just uh, wanting to give you a little plug that um, I'm going to do this. There's Steve Backland um, is running a, uh, a negativity fast and positivity feast for the season of Lent starting on February 10. And I've signed up for that. You get little free emails. But I thought we should do it as a church too. We've done that before. We've done a criticism fast before. And uh, so I thought we might as well just do a negativity and criticism fast for, for Lent. I think it's a good idea. And uh, it was really good last time. You know, someone would bring up something and they'd, They'd, they'd want to talk about somebody or something negative, and we'd just have to say, I'm so sorry, we can't talk about that. We're on a negativity fast. We're on a criticism fast. You know, maybe you could talk to us about that in six weeks' time. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But the, the truth is that, uh, you know, in 40 days, you, you actually change a habit. And I was out at dinner the other night uh, with my sister and her kids and, and Tom and, and our family, and a uh, subject got raised about somebody uh, that we both know that um, had said or done something. And I just went and said, oh, they've done that before. You know, they're just like that. And Tom looked up at me and he, he just said, so when's that criticism fast starting? I went, oh. I, just, I had forgotten how easy it is just to slip into a, a mentality that you, that's how we live. You know, that's what we do. We talk about this person or we'd be critical here or we'd be negative or you hear something on the news and you go, oh, what an idiot. That is not who we are. Hallelujah. We've got Australia Day coming up soon. And rather than an Australia that is a, a bunch of people who are whinging and complaining and negative and pulling people down, tall poppy nonsense, I want to see an Australian culture that is criticism free. Hallelujah. That is negativity free. And we're, we're just a positive um, uplifting bunch of people that, you know, reflect the heart of Christ. Now, I, I realize, you know, constructive criticism is a good thing, but I tell you what, there's a whole lot more criticism goes on in our world than needs to happen. And uh, I would like to encourage you, whether or not you uh, sign up with the Igniting Hope thing or not, doesn't matter. You can actually just do it as a church with me. We'll start on February 10, and I'm in training already. I'm getting ready. My whole family's in training. We're getting ready. Because, oh, ooh, good thing it hasn't started yet. No. <laughs> I have to remember. Oops, that's right. My whole thinking has to be clean. I want to be. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's like, that's who we are. That's what Christians do. This is how we think. Hallelujah. So uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm wanting to provoke you. Hallelujah. You can start training like you train for a marathon. Hallelujah. And, uh, and after this 40 days, you might be surprised that uh, your whole world has changed. Hallelujah. So I think that's a good plan. Who thinks that's a good plan? Marvelous. You're rather quiet, and I quite prefer it when you're a bit noisy. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Hallelujah. Well, oh, Papa, help. Help, Holy Spirit. 
Help us, Lord, to have the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Thank you, Jesus. Teach us what we look like. Teach us who we are. You know, we've been born again by the Spirit of God. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Oh, that's so exciting for anybody who knows you. Like, seriously. If it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you, like, what amazing news for the world around you. And the thing is, we daily have to reckon ourselves dead. Remember, that's right. That's who I am. I'm not that person anymore. You know, jumping back into an old family pattern of being critical. Uh, nah, that's not who I am anymore. That's right. That's right. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I have a new mind. I have a new heart. I, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And I've got to renew my mind daily, remembering, reminding myself what I look like, remembering who I am so that I live out of what I have received. Hallelujah. Which is power to be as he is. Amen. Woohoo. That's happy news. Yay. Hallelujah. We can rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, but it, it's something we actually have to fight for. You know, the enemy comes and he, his only weapon against you is deception. He wants you to, to be deceived into thinking that you are powerless and that you can't do it. And uh, that, that he wants you to be deceived into thinking that you have to try and earn your own righteousness. He wants you to look at yourself and he wants to wear you out and confuse you and get you into condemnation. But thank you to Jesus. He has come and he has taken our shame, he's taken our guilt and he's come to set us free. And it's for freedom that we've been set free. So we need to walk in that freedom. Amen. I was just, um, I wanted to recap a little bit from Friday night. And then we're going to go on from there. I've got some lovely scripture to read to you. Who likes the Bible? Good stuff. I, I might ask that just one more time, just in case you weren't ready. Who enjoys the Bible? Ah, oh, that's wonderful news. Marvelous. Good to see you here, Matt. I see you. Hallelujah. Shabba. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Wonderful God. All right. So I was looking at Romans 7 and 8. Romans 6, 7, 8, oh, it's all delicious, yum, good book. But I was on Friday night looking just briefly at, at Romans 7 and Romans 8, and there's so much in it. But you could look at that and realize that in Romans 7 where Paul's saying, I try to do the things that I should do, and I'm not doing the things that I should do, and oh, woe is me, who's going to deliver me from this? You know, it's a situation that sometimes Christians find themselves in. It's like, oh, I don't understand why I'm doing the things that I want to do. And then they condemn themselves and go, you stupid hypocrite. Oh. And then they don't even come to church. And then they forget to read the word. And then they get themselves in a terrible deep hole. Because sin and condemnation makes you want to act like uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. And that is to go and hide yourself from God because you're ashamed. Like, ah, oh. it's this vicious, horrible cycle. But, you know, thanks to God, Paul was saying, when I look to myself to try and do stuff, to try and get it right, I fail miserably. In my own strength, I can't achieve righteousness. It's a little bit like Martin Luther. When he was um, a monk, 
He tried so hard to be righteous. He worked really hard at it. He, he thought he'd need to punish himself, punish his flesh, try to make himself come into subjection to God. And so he'd, he'd flail himself with whips and he'd go outside in the snow until he was half frozen and his brother monks had to bring him inside and revive him. And he, he was despairing, saying, I don't even think I'm saved. Until he got a revelation. He got a revelation that he was justified by grace. Hallelujah. That it was no longer he who lived, but Christ who lived in him. And that's the revelation that the fact that I'm not justified by what I do, but by the blood of the lamb that we are set free. Hallelujah. It is by his power. And Romans 7 and 8 can be looked at like that. When I'm trying in my own strength to achieve righteousness and holiness and to be good, I just end up miserable. But when I look to Jesus, hooray. There's no condemnation for me. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. But the mindset on the flesh is just death. So if I'm looking and trying to achieve things in my own strength, then I'm an idiot. I can be critical about myself, I think. But that was she doesn't live anymore. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So no longer do I look at, look to the flesh to try and achieve things. When you're trying really hard to get free from sin, you, the more you look at it, the more you, you get tangled up. I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying not to sin. Ah, sin. But if instead you're looking at Jesus, ah, that's who I am. That's what I look like. That's who my father is. That's who Christ is. And now as he is, so am I in this world. I've been joined to him. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's given me his nature. He's given me his character. I'm a new creation in Christ. Then as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. And it's how you behave. So we overcome sin and temptation by focusing on him. Hallelujah. That's good news. You don't, you don't overcome temptation by trying really hard not to do it. You, the moment you feel tempted, you need to run to him and say, Thank you, Lord. I remind myself of the truth of who you are and what you've done for me. I remind myself that I am no longer a slave to sin. But I thank you, Father. You've set me free from the law of sin and death. You've given me the mind of Christ. You've given me the motives of Christ. This is what I have. This is who I am. And out of that place, I will live and move and have my being. Hallelujah. You make a way of escape in every temptation. Temptation. You overcame every temptation. And I thank you that it's no longer me who lives, but you who lives in me. So woohoo, this is going to be great. Hallelujah. That's how we do it. But if you're just passive and you do nothing, and then you're not aware of the fact that there is a war going on around you. You need to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. The enemy comes and says, You've got a real weakness in this area. You go, oh, I've got a real weakness in that area. I'm scared of that area. Oh, no. Immediately, you start going down the track of where you're going to end up sinning. But if instead, when the enemy comes and says, you've got a real weakness in this area, you go, who are you talking about? 
It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. Sin has no hold on me. He has made me brand new. And as he is, so am I in this world. He has no weakness to sin. He's not slave to sin in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't even find it attractive. Hmm. I just preach myself happy, I tell you. Good stuff. And then I shared from Corinthians 6, uh, verse 12. I'll just read it quickly because it's really good. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Turn to your neighbor and say, all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know, I don't want alcohol or drugs to ever be in control of me. You know... All things are lawful, but not all things are edifying. And you don't want to be subjecting yourself to anything that will have control of you other than the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy it and them. But the body is not, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members with a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. That means if temptation comes, you've got to go, not going there, devil. And look at Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You, I, I thank you, Father. I have the mind of Christ. I have the motivation of Christ. You are my Savior. You set me free. from. You've forgiven me. Wow, God. Thank you, Lord. I have eternity with you. Woo-hoo. I'm just helping you. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. He who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hallelujah. I read that to say this is how Paul was helping people overcome sin. He was reminding them, hey, this is who you are. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, he wasn't saying, just don't do that. He was saying, don't do that because this is who you are. Hallelujah. You're, this is who you are. This is your identity. By reminding them of their identity, he was, remem- he was helping them see the way of escape. He was helping them see the way of escape by reminding them that they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you are finding yourself tempted, what could you do? You could remind yourself, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm brand new in him. It's no longer me who lives. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to think on his word. I'm going to take the word like the sword of the spirit and I'm going to use it for his glory. Hallelujah. All right. So that was Friday. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, I love Hebrews. You want to have a look at that? Yes. Yes, you do. You really do. Hebrews chapter 12. Have we got it? Um, Starting at verse 18. 
For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and to darkness and tempest. Skipping down to verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. <sighs> to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You know, do you know you're registered in heaven? That's pretty cool, hey? And you're the church of the firstborn. Wow. That is, Jesus Christ was the firstborn from the dead. And you are the firstborn church. You have been buried with him, killed with him, crucified with him, buried with him, raised up with him, seated with him. You are now the church of Jesus. Woohoo! That's awesome. As he is, so am I in this world. You're the church of the firstborn and you're registered in heaven. It's like so cool. So if the enemy attacks you, you can go, I'm registered in heaven. I'm the church of the firstborn. The blood of Jesus is against you. Get away from me. Hallelujah. I was healed. Hallelujah. You go to war with the, with the privilege that you have. Amen. Amen. That's right. Very good. You're getting there. It's brilliant. I'll keep reading. To the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Hooray. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. Oh, that's a happy thought too. The God who is the judge of all looks at you and judges you. Perfect. Yay. Oh, that's just good news right there. I'll read it again. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Wow. How did he do that? He did that by coming himself in the flesh, his son, and he became the perfect sacrifice so that a divine exchange could take place. You could surrender your life and receive his new life. Surrender your sin, your iniquity, the, the, the character that you were, and give it to him and receive in exchange his perfect nature, his perfection. He is holy. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me hallelujah so when god looks at me he judges me righteous <sighs> he judges me perfect I've been made perfect. I'm not perfect because of the way I've behaved. I'm perfect because I have put my hope in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. I've been made righteous. I've been made clean. I've been made holy. And people get nervous. They say, well, if you say that, then people just do what they want. You tell, I'm telling you, if you are living with your mind set on him who has made you clean and perfect, you want what he wants. If you're sinning, then you're not living in this glorious freedom. So, so just don't worry about that. Hallelujah. Look at him. Looking at sin is never going to help you. Look at him. You can have a sailor moment if you like. Go ahead. Go on. Go on. Just look at him. Yay. Mm. Ah. 
He makes his face shine on you. It's just like, you know, a parent when they're looking at a child and trying to make them smile. You know, they're like, you're so lovely. Yeah, come on. You can do it. Oh, you're beautiful. And finally the baby goes, that's what he does every time you lift your face to look at him. He makes his face shine on you and goes, yes, yes, I love you. Yes, you are. You're perfect. Yes. It's truth. That's what he does. Uh, he lifts up his countenance upon you in that he actually picks you up and goes, ah, my son, my daughter, If you believe anything else, then you are a believing a lie about who God is. If you think that God is looking at you and going, yes, all right, well, you're technically righteous, but you really annoy me. You're believing a lie. That's not how he feels. Or, or, oh, yeah, okay, yes, all right, I have to accept you because you believe in Jesus, but look, just not one of those ones I want to be around. That's not how he feels. He doesn't look at you and tolerate you and go, all right. He looks at you, no matter how you've behaved, when you have put your faith in Christ the Redeemer, and he says, you are altogether lovely. When you say, oh, but I feel dark and I feel dry, I feel terrible. He goes, but you're like the fine linen curtains in the holy place. You're altogether clean. You're altogether holy. You're altogether righteous. It doesn't seem fair. And that's why it's so hard for humans to accept it. Because we haven't earned it. But the whole point is you can't earn it. That's what the law was given to do, to help you recognize you actually really need a savior. And when you come to that realization, I can't do it, but thank God you've done it and there's no condemnation for me. And the mind that's set on you is life and peace and holiness. Hallelujah. Yay. Oh, happy day. Happy day. You took my sin away. Hooray, hooray. Oh, I could be a poet. <laughs> Shaba. That's just happy news, hey. <sighs> so, with the church of Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. Turn to somebody else and say, as he is, so am I in this world. Yay. Hooray. Woohoo. As he is. So are you in this world. Hallelujah. Verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. You know, Abel's blood. Do you remember Cain and Abel? Abel's blood cried out for justice. It was looking for justice. You know, when Abel offered a sacrifice, Cain offered a sacrifice, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. So Cain got so jealous, he came and murdered his brother. And in murdering his brother, the Lord said, Abel's blood cries out. 
But it says here in Hebrews that the blood of a, that the, the blood that has been shed, um, the mediator of the new covenant, mediator of the new covenant, Jesus, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of Abel, because while Abel's blood cried out for justice, Jesus' blood cries out forgiveness. Hallelujah. The blood of Abel speaks revenge, justice, justice for this sin. The blood of Jesus says justice has been served. This is better than the blood of Abel because it's, it's the blood that not only serves all the justice that needs to be served, sin debt gets paid for. The wages of sin is death and I've taken that death in my own body for them and now my blood cries out mercy, forgiveness. Hallelujah. Good stuff. In uh, Hebrews twelve twenty four, in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. And we've come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness. A better message than Abel's blood that cries out from the earth. Justice. Hallelujah. Hebrews twelve twenty five, back in the New King James Version. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. I love it. After this message in Hebrews 12 about the power of the blood of Jesus to take away sin, to make us new creations, he then says, Hear my son, hear his voice. We've got to hear the voice of God. We've got to be deliberate to fix our minds, our thoughts, our hearing on what God's saying. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He was only speaking what he was hearing the Father say. And it says here, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. The voice of Jesus is speaking to us. And uh, we need to recognize that we need to look to him. This whole message is about not looking to ourselves, but looking to Jesus, the Father, God himself, who... uh, made us in his image, the one who is the the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who wants to speak to us. We want to set our minds on things above, things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. We want to fix our minds on him. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 17. There's a story here about the transfiguration. It says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, sparkling. He was just gloriously, in his glory, they got to see him. His face shone like the sun. That's pretty intense, and God doesn't exaggerate. That's pretty, whoa. And his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and don't be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. You know, this is so interesting. I was reading this uh, uh, the other day about this and I was talking to Tom and he said, Yeah, years ago, he'd, um, many, many years ago, he'd heard a message about this too, that, um, that when Peter said, let's make, let's make tabernacles for all three of you, Moses, Jesus, Elijah. He was actually putting them all on the same level. And the father had to correct Peter and say, uh, no, hear him, hear my son. And Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets and judgments. But Jesus, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He was, he's not one of the prophets. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And there's the law and then there's judgment and then there's Jesus. Hallelujah. And when Jesus touched them, he took away their fear. I, I just love the way the Lord handled it. Peter answered and says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Don't be paying attention to the law and to judgment. Be paying attention to him, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. He wasn't saying that Moses and Elijah weren't important. I mean, they got to be there transfigured alongside Jesus. It's pretty cool. But he was saying, this isn't where your focus needs to be. If your focus is on the law and trying to keep it, you are going to end up in condemnation, grief, sin, and pain. If your focus is on judgment, ah, someone should judge them, that's, should, that's terrible, or I deserve to be punished, I'm so terrible, and you're going to put yourself in the naughty corner all the time every time you sin, you are going to live a life of misery. But if instead you see Jesus only, you hear his voice only, then the mindset on him is life and peace. Hallelujah. The mindset on the law is misery. The, la- the mindset on judgment is misery. But the mindset on him, the one who judges us righteous because of the blood of the lamb that speaks louder and more gloriously than Abel's blood. As I look to him, thanks be to God, I've been set free from sin. Hallelujah. The heart of God is looking for us to see him only. To look to him and look and see him only, Jesus. Now, what's God saying to you? The Father's saying, hear him. I tell you, Jesus is saying to you, I love you. I'm for you. 
I've set you free. I'm not cranky. Don't be afraid. If you're afraid of what God might say to you, you are not actually aware of who he really is. You bought a lie about him. You don't have to be afraid of Jesus because he comes and he says, don't be afraid. You come and you go, oh God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to fix? What do you want to change? Help me, God. He looks at you and goes, you're so lovely. And you say, oh Lord, you know, seriously, come on, sort me out. He says, you're righteous, you're good. God, you know, you know how I behaved, you know what I'm like. He goes, this is what you're like. It's not about you anymore. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Let me show you what you look like. You are holy, you are clean, you are perfect, because it's not you anymore, it's Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are afraid of the voice of God, then you are not hearing him. If you come to hear the voice of God, I remember when I was just a te- when I was um, teaching and I went on orientation at a, a Christian school. They sent us away to, with a piece of paper to write down what God was saying to us. We had 15 minutes. Take a pen and a piece of paper. Write down what God says to you. So I took my piece of paper and my pen, and I said, "All right, God, what do you want to say to me?" I was 23, and He says, "I love you." I went. Yeah, right. Okay. Everybody knows that. Come on. I'm serious. You can say anything you want. Come on, help me. Sort me out. And for 15 minutes, all I could hear him say was, I love you. My God, you know, seriously, I'm I'm open. I know I'm I'm terrible. Please help me. Just show me what I need to change. Help me, Jesus. He said, I love you. I argued with him. I said, I can't take that back to the room. They're going to go round the circle and say, what did God say to you in those 15 minutes? I can't just say, God loves me. I can't just say that. Come on, God, seriously, talk to me. But I didn't realize they were the words I needed to hear more than anything else because I didn't truly, deeply know it and believe it. I believed it technically, but I didn't know it experientially. And God is still every day working on me to get me to know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Every time you come to him looking, what do you want to say? If there is even a trace of fear, let his perfect love touch you and cast out all fear. Hallelujah. When you come to him, you need to know that he is always happy to see you. Always. Jesus explained what the father looked like to us. He gave a parable about the prodigal son. When the prodigal came home going, oh, I've been really bad. I've done all the bad things and Jewish boys shouldn't do. I know he's a good father and he'll probably let me work for him. But, oh, gosh, I don't even deserve anything. And as he comes toward home, head hanging in shame, the father runs toward him, wraps his arms around him. The moment he can see him, runs to him, puts a big kiss on his cheek and gets the shoes and gets the robe and gets the ring and kills the fatted calf. And the son says, I'm not even worthy to be your son. 
But you know, God doesn't even pay attention to that. He's like, this is my beloved son. He didn't even address the sin. Why? Because Jesus has already addressed it for you. When you sin and you do the wrong thing, acknowledge that was wrong. That was wrong. Thank you, Father, that you paid the price for my sin. I receive your mercy. Thank you, God. I'm free. But I don't lose my salvation every time I mess up. Every time I mess up, I need to run to the one who's happy to see me, who wants to show me that I paid for that before you ever did it, and I'm giving you power never to do it again. Hallelujah. You have my life. You have my power. Hallelujah. I believe in the power of repentance, but I don't, uh, I don't repent to earn the forgiveness of God. I repent because of the sacrifice of Jesus, and I change my thinking, and I tell my God who loves me and whom I'm in relationship with that I'm really sorry I hurt your heart, and I receive by faith the forgiveness, the blotting out of my sin. Hallelujah. Mm, this is better than you're reacting, I think. It's good news. The moment I recognize I've done something wrong, I say, oh, God, sorry for that. That's a bad attitude or that's a wrong thing. But I thank you, Father, that your blood forgives that. Thank you for forgiveness. I receive your mercy right now. Hallelujah. I change my thinking. I thank you as I exchange my sin. I have your clean conscience. Oh, God, thank you. Your conscience has been given to you for a purpose. If you're guilty, then do something about it. Bring it to Jesus and say, I did the wrong thing. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. Your blood has power to cleanse my guilty conscience. Your guilty conscience can't be um, helped by you paying for your sin. If you think that trying to pay for it yourself, paying some form of penance can deal with your guilty conscience, you'll never, ever be walking free from guilt. It's pride. You can't pay for what Jesus alone was qualified to pay for. Hallelujah. It's faith that pleases God. Hallelujah. Our wonderful Jesus. So what is Jesus saying to you? What does he want to say to you today? What, what does he want to say? He wants to say, you've been forgiven. He wants to say, you are clean. He wants to say, I love you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If you'll rest in me and you'll keep your mind fixed on me, if you'll feast on my word and let my word renew your mind, you'll continually be reminded of the truth of the power of the inheritance that you now have, the truth of your identity. said on Friday, when I, I had my children... I had three babies, and they were all human at birth. When you get born again, you are righteous at birth. At the born again experience, you are righteous. But they still had some things to learn. Like I'd have to tell them when they're crawling around, don't touch the dog bowl, dog food's not for humans. And there's things that we need to learn on a daily basis as we read the Bible. Oh, Christians don't 
illegally download. That's stealing. Christians don't tell lies, not even little ones. That's not who you are. It's not because it's the law, it's because it doesn't, it's not, has nothing to do with who you are. You're a Christian. You're a Christ-like one. That's not what you do. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't cheat. You don't criticize. You don't slander. You don't engage in coarse joking or sexual immorality or any of these yucky things because it's not who you are. That's not what Christians do. Just like there's things that humans don't do. There's things that those who are made in the image of God, born again by his spirit and given the very nature of Christ, that's, there's some things that you do and there's some things that you don't do because it's who you are. Jesus doesn't do that, so that's not what you do, right? If he does it, then you can do it. Awesome. Wonderful. It's very simple. But if you're in your own strength going, I'm trying to be like Jesus, I'm trying, oh God. It's like a child going, I'm trying to be human, I'm trying to be human. You can't. You've either got to be the tree that produces the fruit or you're not. If you're righteous, you need to remember who you are. You need to learn what it is to be who you are so that you produce fruit in keeping with the righteousness you've received. Hooray. Shakaba. All right. I think you got it. Our God is good. Today, if you're here and you know in your heart you are not in relationship with God, but you want to be, the Father wants to run toward you today. He wants to wrap you up in, your, in his arms and say, I've been waiting for you. He wants to give you power to be made a new creation. But I tell you what, though Jesus paid the price for all the sins of the world, it is only when you choose to receive him as savior, when you choose to come home to him, when you choose to exchange your life to receive his life, it's only in that instance that, in that instant that you become born again. He gave you a free will because he is a God of love. He is love and true love is free. So you can freely choose life or death. But he tells you what to do. He says, choose life. We get to choose life every day. But there's also a point that comes in our life where we need to choose to receive him as Savior and Lord, to respond to his mercy, to surrender our lives and say, Lord, I want you to come into my life and make me new on the inside. It's called being born again. It's how you become part of the church of the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. Today, if that's you and you know in your heart you need to get your life right with God, you've, you're not following God, you're not in relationship with him, but you say, I want to come home. I want to respond to the mercy of God. I want to be born again. I want to be a new creation. Would you just wave your hand at me because I want to pray for you before we go any further. Is there anybody here today that says, yes, that's me. I want to respond to the mercy of God. I want to be born again. Give me a wave if that's you. Hallelujah. Is anybody here? Hallelujah. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you if that's you. Yes, God bless you. You can come. Is anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Just come on down here. Pastor Joel, if you can come. Is anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to be born again. 
I want to respond to the mercy of God. Would you come? You know, it's not about just believing that God exists. It's about believing that, that he is Savior and actually responding to him. You know, even the devil believes that God exists, but it's only those who respond to him in humility and say, I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy that actually come into relationship with him. It's a divine exchange. Is there anybody else who says, yes, that's me. I want to get my life right with Christ. Hallelujah. Would you come? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come, 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 come. That's so good. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Don't just stay there. This is, this is life. This is life. But it requires a choice where you step over the line and say, yes, I want Jesus to be my God. I want to respond to his mercy and I want to surrender my sin and receive his righteousness. Is there anybody else? Anybody else today that says that's me? Would you come? Hallelujah. Don't stay there. Come. Would you come? If that's you and you know, would you come? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So beautiful. So beautiful. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Would you pray this after me? Out loud, all across this room, you can join me. And if you're watching on live stream, you can say this in your heart and know it to be true. As you genuinely uh, bring to him your sin and say, God, I have need of forgiveness. You pray this with me so that you can be born again. Right now, would you pray with me? Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be punished in my place. I believe that he died in my place and rose again. Right now, I give you my sin. I give you my past. I give you my character, all that I am. And I exchange it in faith for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your character for your nature, your mind. Come into my life, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new on the inside. Help me to know you, Lord, in ever-increasing ways. I declare I have been forgiven by Jesus who shed his blood for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.